Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at... This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells with Talk to Tom. Sponsored by Greenway Dodge. Daytona Beach isn't just the world's most famous beach for people. It turns out the sharks also like it. O-Search recently pinged a 10-foot, 450-pound-plus shark near the coast of Daytona Beach. And Crystal likely won't be the only shark traveling along our coast. Thanks for joining us on Talk to Tom. I'm Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells. We're going to talk to the folks at O-Search about shark migration. How many sharks are just off of our coast? They're tracking great whites. White sharks, they think they have 92 of them that they're watching out there in the ocean right now. We're going to talk to O-Search about all of that, where the sharks go, why they're doing the migration, when it happens, all that exciting stuff. But first, on Talk to Tom, I answer your questions. Remember, you can always submit a question at clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom, and maybe we'll get you on. If not, maybe we'll just get your question on. We'll do whatever we can make happen. Joining us today with our first question live is our friend Audrey Cullen. Hey, Audrey, how are you? Fine, thanks, and you? I'm doing really, really well on this Thursday. Hey, ask your question, Audrey, I'm glad you're on with me. What's going on? Okay, we were driving out of Daytona Beach toward New Smyrna and saw a really weird looking cloud across the sky that I sent you a picture of, It's kind of like a stripe. Oh, I see Almost that. like someone threw it just there to the hmm. side of that light pole away from right, the right, trucks right, right, right. yeah yeah i see that what kind of you, cloud is that what kind of cloud is that you know what that mm -hmm. looks like to me that looks to me like maybe that's a contra that's warmed up um i don't know what day what day was this what were the weather conditions like i see fair weather cumulus clouds out there it was a beautiful day beautiful day is, but okay. it didn't what, look what, like the contra where they usually fade out they do fade out sometimes sometimes they'll heat up yeah. and spread out that doesn't look like a roll cloud to me. You don't have thunderstorms ongoing. But that looks to me like maybe a contrail, maybe a jet came through there at a different level and has warmed up okay. and spread out a bit is my best guess. I didn't see it happen or develop. It could also be the leading edge of just a cirrus cloud off in the distance. But based on what I'm seeing on your shot there, that's my best guess. My best okay. guess. Yeah, I think so. Um, talk to me a little bit about what made you submit that question. Do you watch Talk to Tom? Or did we find you all somewhere? the time? <laughs> <That> <laughs> girl. So I know from what it says here, you live in New Smyrna Beach. Yes. Have you ever seen a great white shark, Audrey? No. I thank haven't. Goodness. Either. I haven't either. <laughs> Coming up in the second half of this show, we're going to talk to O-Search about the great white sharks. He told me, or at least they told me before, that they don't think they come very close to shore around New Good. Smyrna Beach. We have, obviously, we tell people all the time, the your backyard there, New Smyrna Beach, is the shark bite capital mm. of the world. Those are not great whites that are biting at people's feet and ankles out there in the water. Those are black tips, sand sharks, small sharks. All right. Hey, Audrey, thank you very much for being on Talk to Time. I appreciate you. Thank you. Next question comes to us from Dave Sharp. Dave says, some of you say percentage of rain some say percent chance of rain, some say percent of coverage. What's the deal? Okay, Dave, the deal is when we're talking about rain chances, we're talking about the fact that for the most part, when we have climatological setup like we're having tomorrow, 
what we're having in the forecast period that most recently or most based on what we've seen through computer program and models through the past 30, 40, 50 years that normally we'll get this much coverage from the rain in that zone. So we'll look at our model, figure out how much is covered up and do a forecast of what your chance of seeing rain is. That's basically a coverage zone or a coverage call. So you'll hear us talk about, say, a 30% chance of rain or 30% coverage. And it does break out to mean about the same thing. It's a big debate. I know it's been huge going around social media for the last few years. But for the most part, it doesn't mean anything differently to us. When we talk about it, we'll say your rain chances are 30%. Or we'll cover up the area with about a 30% chance of rain. Now, of course, if it looks to me like that 30% chance of rain is going to occur inland, like the sea breeze is going to kick in, start kicking up showers across Orange County, I'll go ahead and say a 30% chance of rain tomorrow, which means... 30% of my entire viewing area gets rain, but I'll zoom in on Orange County and say, but in Orange County, your chance of rain is up to about 60%. 60% of Orange County will get rain while overall 30% of my entire forecast period, or excuse me, my entire forecast area. So that's the difference in what you're picking up on. Sometimes we'll say coverage. Sometimes we'll say percent. Bottom line is it means about the same thing. We try to be very specific on Channel 6, we try to show you exactly, we even have a graphic that has all the listings of all the days and the percentage ring chance at each location. So that way we're trying to make it even more clear to you when I say probably about a 30% chance of rain, but in some zones it might be higher. That's what we're showing. Okay, our friend Andrea has a question. Andrea's question is, why does it sometimes peacefully rain without any thunder or lightning? And then other times it can be a very loud thunderstorm. Andrew, that has to do with what's causing the rain. We have different triggers or different mechanisms for making it rain. Normally when you get that light gentle rain, it's either a dying thunderstorm that was rocking hours ago that has washed its way out, or you're getting a warm front drifting to the north slowly that has warm air overriding cooler air and where it mixes it drops out rain. We don't have um, a cold front. If you're getting big thunderstorms, it's either from colliding sea breezes that hit headlong and lift up and produce big thunderstorms, or it's a cold front moving through the area. A pocket of low pressure spinning a frontal boundary in here. That's two totally different things. Cold front pushes warm air, lifts it, makes it cool rapidly and produce big thunderstorms. But a warm front drifting in from the south, overrunning air that's in place, that produces very light, gentle, loving kind of rain. That's the kind of rain you can... Go for a walk in, even stroll along the beach in, but thunderstorms are not that. Thunderstorms are rocking, usually cold front or sea breeze driven. All right, next question comes to us from our friend, Lynn Comstock. All right, Lynn, this is a great question for Talk to Tom. Lynn wants to know, who has the best cheeseburger? All right, Talk to Tom started as a way for me to talk to folks um, during hurricane season, live on TV during hurricane coverage. Then it became just something I did at home. Okay, during Facebook. And on Facebook, Talk to Tom, we talk a lot about food. <laughs> and uh, it's not Florida foodie, but it's, it's Tom foodie. It's what I like to eat. And uh, if you watch that, which I think Lynn obviously does, then you know that cheeseburgers are my favorite cuisine. I love them. So, Lynn, I wish we had you on live so I could ask you. Do you mean like everyday run-of-the-mill service burger? Do you mean gourmet burger? Or do you mean something I make at home or something I would buy at Publix? Because if I'm buying a burger at Publix, I'm buying the White Castle and bringing home and cooking mine quickly. 
for a lunch break fast. If we're doing something at home, then my wife makes a better cheeseburger than I do. Uh, she is a better cook and a better grill. She is. It's embarrassing, but she's better. Um, if you're talking about where I'd go to buy the best gourmet burger, I would send you to Fleming's, the bar at Fleming's on Sand Lake Road. You have to ask for it. They used to have it on the menu. They don't anymore for the most part. You have to ask, can you make me a cheeseburger? Yes, they will. And get your cheeseburger there at the Bart Fleming's. Or go to one of my favorite spots is um, oh, Graffiti Junction. Graffiti Junction. Awesome cheeseburger. I think it's been voted number one cheeseburger several different times. And I think it even won some competition that I judged once. So I'd say Graffiti Junction is probably the best gourmet burger in town. There are others. Um, Hamburger Mary's is fantastic, too, in downtown Orlando as well. So if you're into that, that's good stuff, too. Go get, eat up your cheeseburgers. Go to Graffiti Junction. Go to Hamburger Mary's. Try them both out and tell me which one you think is best. I think the Graffiti Junction. If you're ever up in Jacksonville... There's a place up there called Poe's Tavern. It's the sister restaurant to a place called Poe's on Sullivan's Island in South Carolina. Poe's Tavern has a fantastic cheeseburger too. Just saying. All right. Enough about burgers. I'm making myself hungry. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you always for your questions. If you'd like to get in on the question asking, click Orlando.com. We'd love to know what you want to know. Stick around as we check out sharks swimming along our coast and why more will soon be joining them. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talk to Tom. I'm News 6 Chief Meteorologist Tom Sorrells. Here we are on another Thursday. So glad you're with us. Um, second half of the show is always probably the best for you because we have some cool guests on. Today, I think you're going to find it fascinating. People all across Florida and around the world love Daytona Beach. And now it turns out that sharks do, too. O-Search recently pinged one swimming off the coast. And soon, more will be joining that 10-foot 450 pound plus shark thanks for staying with us we're going to talk about shark migration now on talk to tom osearch senior advisor for science and academics dr bob huter is here he says that many sharks are heading south welcome back to the show dr bob here how are you doing today i am doing fabulous tom thanks for having me back on all right now i, I can't get enough of sharks i think most people um find them fascinating. Shark Week's big on TV and, and here in Central Florida. We see them all the time out there in the ocean. Talk to us about what kind of sharks are migrating. Is it the great white? Is it the black tip? Who are we talking about here? Well, it's it's kind of, Tom, it's kind of like our, uh, our winter snowbirds. Um, the sharks start heading south in the fall as the temperatures drop up north. And, and you know, we have probably about a dozen species that are that are on the move right now. The one that's the most prominent, that's the one that we work on at OSEARCH is the white shark, otherwise known as the great white shark. Okay, Dr. Bob, so let's talk about those sharks and let's talk about how long this migration lasts. You say they tear out of there in the fall, like anyone with good sense would. They leave for the wintertime and come to see us in Florida and some actually make it into the Gulf of Mexico? That's right, Tom. Um, they spend the summer up in these uh, northern areas where they're feeding on um, real uh, high energy food like uh, like seals and tuna and so on. These are the white sharks we're talking about here. And then they come south. Um, they start making their break south around mid-October. 
Um, they have a sort of a migratory run that runs all the way through November into early December. And by early December, they're typically off the southeast coast, off the Florida east coast, and then a, a great number of them actually go all the way around the Keys and into the Gulf of Mexico, the eastern Gulf of Mexico primarily. That's crazy. How far out do they go? Obviously, sharks are worldwide, but these particular yeah. migrating sharks, are they going like 400 miles off the shore, right up next to the Cape, or how far are they going on their migration? Well, it, yeah, it's a great question because it really depends. Um, it depends on the individual shark, but more importantly, it depends on, on the uh, age and sex of the shark. Oh. Most of these sharks, including the big males, um, stay pretty close to the coast. Now, I'm not talking about on the beach. I'm talking about they're, they're on the continental shelf. So they could be, you know, anywhere from um, one to 100 miles offshore. Uh, it's only in places like up in Cape Cod where they really come up on the beach. Uh, and in, in Nova Scotia, where we we found them up in islands up there. When they come to Florida, they're, they're sort of spread out off the beach in most in the most parts of the year. What other type of stuff or research are you guys doing with them? What are you looking at? You tag them, what do you watch? Yeah, the, the tagging is the visible part that you see on a website. Uh, that's what we're known for, but but that's actually one of 20 different projects that we do on each and every shark. Okay. Uh, we have these sharks um, on our platform, on our, on our research ship for about 15 minutes. We have a team of scientists from 30 different universities and other organizations uh, running these 25 different projects. They're not all on the ship at the same time, but we collect samples and data for all, for all these projects. And so we're doing everything from genetics to, um, to what these animals are, are eating, to their, their blood um, parameters, their hormone levels, looking at their reproductive cycles. We, do, we have an ultrasound machine that we take ultrasound um, tests of them, exams of them. And we even have a project uh, by a microbiologist who's taking bacterial samples from these sharks. And she's discovered these bacteria produce uh, antibiotics that are effective against uh, some of the, the pathogens that have become resistant to our normal antibiotics in human medicine, like MRSA. So there's, there's a possibility here. She's working on this project to develop um, the material that's coming from these bacteria on the white shark it may, may lead to a drug for people that will wow. allow us to, to fight human disease. It's, it's amazing what these animals can do. They've been around uh, as a group. They've been around for about 400 million years. Uh, white sharks, that group around 40 or, or so million years. And um, they're, just, they're just the ultimate survivor. They really, really are. I, I, and I don't know if people really understand that. I think people who watch... Shark Week, or, or go to your website, learn a lot and know that. But I don't think the layman understands that they're one of the more, um, I wouldn't say primitive, because they're highly evolved, but they're one yeah. of the longest living strands of creature on the earth. You just said they've been along for yeah. how long? 400 million years? 400 million years. They, they came well before the dinosaurs, and they outlived the dinosaurs and got through the, the big extinctions that took out the dinosaurs. We used, you know, people used to call them primitive uh, if you go back 60, 70 years. But once we started really doing research on them and realized how, you know, how well adapted and, and sophisticated they are, we, we now we call them ancient, but they're certainly not primitive. Not primitive. That's a great point. All right. Talk to me. What kind of obstacles do you face when you're trying to study the sharks? And, and uh, then we'll talk more about how people can find you. What, what do you guys go to? I mean, you're out there. 
Uh, how do you catch them first of all? And then the obstacles, you got to tag them, you got to release them, make sure they're healthy. All that. I mean, um, shark research is, is very challenging. Uh, these are not animals that have to come to the surface, number one. So you, they're, they're hard to find. You know, these are, these are water breathing animals. So in, with O-Search, we have a, uh, a master team of fishermen who have caught white sharks uh, all over the world. And they just know how to, to, uh, to get them and how to size up areas. When we go into a new area, they know, they know where to go. They use a, a technique, a, a hook and line technique, that uh, ensures that the animals don't swallow the hook and also that they're not wrapped up because it's a breakaway rig that the animals take and then they just kind of swim off dragging this like a, like a dog would <laughs> drag a leash essentially. Right. Uh, and that's connected to a buoy that has broken away and then the guys pick up the buoy and they slowly bring the shark into a lead essentially to our platform. You'd be amazed at how much they cooperate. The sharks cooperate with this. They, they pretty much kind of go, okay, you got me. So we'll, where are we going? You know, let's see what happens next. <laughs> um, then, then on the platform, you know, they're they're given, of course, um, seawater and cool water to keep the bodies cool. The towels on the on the eyes and the gill slits. And we have we're, we're constantly monitoring the healthy animal. Uh, we always have at least one uh, senior veterinarian on board. Sometimes three or four. And now we're up to ninety-two animals that we've worked up here on the, on the east coast of the U.S. and Canada. Wow, 92 white sharks out there that you're tracking right now? 92, yeah, 92 awesome. of the of, of the four different uh, age classes that we talk about, The what's called the young of the year, which is the ones less than one year old, the juveniles, which is one to about, oh, say 15 or so years old, and then the sub-adults, which are the, they're kind of the older teenagers, the ones that aren't quite adults yet, but they're starting to get into sort of a reproductive mode. And then the, then the uh, sexually mature adults. Okay, what, what's elderly? How long do they make it? Well, we think about 70 years pro- wow. or more. That's awesome. So um, they, they, don't, they don't start, at least the current information, which might change with, with better data, but the current information says that uh, the males matured about at the age of 20, and the females maybe as late as 30. And then females can reproduce. This is another thing that we're not clear on yet. Females, we don't know if they reproduce every year and a half or every two years or every three years. But um, by the time a female is 70, she's definitely a grandmother wow. many times over, probably a great-great-grandmother. That's awesome. All right, real quick, we're running out of time, so I want to make sure people can find out more. Where can they find you, online or on the phone? What, what are they looking for? Yeah, very simple. Check out our website at O-Search, O-C-E-A-R-C-H, like Ocean Research, .org, and that's where you can see the tracker, and you can track these animals in real time along with us, the scientists. Uh, we believe in open access and, and providing your data to, to the public in real time. Thank you, Dr. Bob, for being here on Talk to Tom again. I find it fascinating. I can talk about sharks all day. I don't want to meet them up close and personal like you do, but I do love hearing about them. I really, really do. And thank you at home for being with us on Talk to Tom. If you want to submit a question, just go to clickorlando.com forward slash talk to Tom. Submit your question. We'd love to know 
what you want to learn about. And watch us on News 6 Plus. Just download the app for your smart TV and please keep watching.